Well, good morning, Father Russell Pollard. Lovely to have you with us again. Good morning. How are you, Father? Very, very well. You cannot help but be well on a beautiful day like this. Indeed. <laughs> Father Russell, lovely to have you with us. And let's see what you can share with us today about uh, our Catholic comment on various things happening around the place. Racism. You've recently produced a very beautiful piece, very thought-provoking piece. Racism, our gaping wound, Black Monday, and so on. Tell us about this. Well, you know, I mean, over and over again, you see this kind of resurgence of uh, racism in one way or another in the country. Just before we saw what happened on Monday, uh, which landed up being a big race debate on social media, what we had as well was uh, that, that incident in Pretoria with two students. And those two students um, uh, uh, were out one night, and they uh, one uh, cell phone got stolen. And the next thing was they, they landed up, you know, having a big racial slur about this. They didn't condemn theft, but they condemned people of, of a different color for stealing their phone. This video went viral because they put it on the wrong group. And one of, both of them were suspended, and one of them lost their, their um, uh, 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 what do you call it, their financial aid from the Ramaphosa Trust because of uh, what they said. Mm. And so, you know, over and over again, we see how just beneath the surface, there's always this kind of race tension in mm. the country that's going to, to that seems to boil over. Mm. Now, the bishops in 2016 issued a letter, a pastoral letter, on issues around racism, calling for dialogue, discussion, to face it, uh, to to find ways together that we can overcome it, so that you, there can be some sort of healing. Right. Linked to that, I just finished recently reading the book um, by Archbishop Machoba, his new book called Faith and Courage, where he talks about, you know, this abscess that needs to be that needs to be sort of popped so that in a controlled way, so that some sort of catharsis can take place uh, in people, because both those who were the victims and the victimizers all need healing. And so, uh, what I'm trying to do in that piece is say that, you know, two years ago. Or, or a year ago, it was 2016. I'm already in 2018. <laughs> yes. uh, uh, a year ago, the, the bishops put out this very good letter. In fact, I think it's one of the best pastoral letters that they've put out for a long time. Yes. Where they where they urge you know discussion about these matters and to fear not and to give it some sort of theological foundation. And I'm not sure that too many people even know that letter exists. Mm. Um, I don't think it was picked up in parishes. I don't think that people really spoke about it. And I think it's worth going back to that now, given the context we find ourselves in, given the fact that things are are, are, are tense, and looking at that letter and saying, well, you know, the way that the bishops are suggesting go forward here is perhaps a way that we should say, Let, let's try it. Let's 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 get people reading that letter. It's not a very long one, and reflecting on it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always the problem, isn't it, with statements? We can, and we spend so much time producing these very good, thought-provoking statements, and they just get relegated to the bookshelves and so on. Now, this is one of those statements: the call to overcome racism. That, well, I wonder, as you say, how many people have actually seen it? How many know about it? And uh, uh, let's hope that some people might just. Try and find out about this. Maybe contact the diocese or the, their bishops and so on and just find out, look, where is this statement and why haven't we come to know about it? Yeah, I mean, it's actually on the Bishops' Conference's website and um, there'll be a link in the article which will be published today on the Jesuit Institute's website. There'll be a link to that statement 
by the bishops, which is on their website. So, you know, it is easily accessible. I think people just don't know that it exists. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, the, you know, somebody has to tell them. What we try and do on Radio Veritas is to bring to people things like this. And I think we must have brought this out um, at the time when it was released because we, we always try to, to highlight and bring to people's attention statements which are issued by the Bishops' Conference or things which come from Rome. Every day we are bringing interesting information about statements of our Holy Father or about what the Vatican is producing and so on. And I think that's very important. I mean, you know, I'd say that, you know, there are lots of things that come out and we don't necessarily have to be reading everything. But if you look back over the last five or six years, they haven't issued too many pastoral letters. Mm. I think out of all that they've issued... This one is really a very good one and well worth looking at. Okay. Um, and well worth taking for discussion, for reflection, and dare I even say it, for prayer. Right. Well, there we go. Well, thank you for bringing that to our attention now, Father Russell. And please, God, people will go to the website of the Catholic Bishops' Conference and, uh, and just have a look and see for themselves what the statement is all about and maybe do something about it in their, um, uh, you know, in, the, in, in, in their parishes. Uh, discuss it or maybe make it available, put it at the doors of the church or do something just to, to spread the information about uh, what the bishops have said. But thank you for bringing that to our attention. Welcome. Okay, anything more about that? Shall we move on to another matter? Oh, let's move on. I mean, yes. I, think that, um, I think that this week has shown uh, again after Black Monday, this is something that we really ought to be talking about and dealing with in a logical kind of um, unemotional way. Otherwise, it's going to fester. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, yeah okay. anyway, read the, read the statement. Okay, we'll do that. Now, listen, the other thing is the news in the past couple of weeks of the seemingly epidemic proportions of sexual harassment of women by politicians, businessmen, film stars, producers, celebrities. Uh, I don't know, the list goes on and on. I'm sure you've got something to share with us about this. What does it well, say about the world we live in? Yeah, I mean, you know, and a lot of these allegations, for example, go back, um, you know, a long time. They're not just... Um, sort of recent in any way, you know, I mean, if you look at this latest one with uh, Jennifer Ferguson and Danny Jordan, you know, we, we're talking 20 years ago. I mean, we another deep kind of issue that needs to be tackled is this question of patriarchy and the way that it's been used almost, well, not almost, the way that it's been used as an oppressive system, as a way of, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, do, for, for doing the, these things that, that, that happen. Uh, the problem for us in the church, of course, is to confront this. We need to face the fact as well that we're on the back foot because the whole authority structure of the church is men with power. Um, but, you know, I, I find it quite disconcerting. And people are talking about, well, you know, that men have been emasculated and that's why a number of things happen. I'm not so sure that that's the case. It seems to me that there, there is a, a deep-seated uh, uh, sense, uh, you know, of entitlement still um, when it comes to many men, um, that they're just simply entitled to whatever they want, that they do not see women as equals, um, you know, that for, for, for some men, if you read some of these stories, you know, women have just become sort of, well, have, are simply just sexual objects. Uh, it, it, it's, it's deeply worrying if one sort of start to look at this from a theological perspective and, you know, we start to talk about, well, we're all made in the image and likeness of God. Now, sometimes the, the kind of theology 
around this and reading of Genesis has almost been used to justify the fact that, you know, kind of men are number one and women are number two. Uh, you know, many biblical scholars will tell you that this is, uh, you know, this is not a, a correct reading of the text itself. Um, but I, you know, it seems to me that we have a really big problem to face up to. And where we need to start, well, there's a number of different ways. I mean, I think, first of all, that these people need to take responsibility. But we have to ask ourselves questions about the ways that uh, a boys, young boys, are raised in society. Let me give you an example. I heard a seven-year-old the other day saying to his four-year-old sister, they were having an argument, say to her, you know, um, I, uh, girls are weaker than boys, so I, you know, so, so leave it or whatever it was. Well, this is, this is interesting that already at that age, he's got a sense that, you know, women are weaker, whatever the case is. Uh, so we have to rethink the kind of messages that we inculcate right from the beginning. Okay, indeed, that's 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 true. So it's 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 not just things that are happening at this time in life, but what go well, what's happening right at the beginning? It's it's a kind of rearing, bringing up children to 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 mould and model themselves on the values of the gospel, that that and, and the respect for people and human dignity and so on. Yeah, and I mean, I think if one looks very carefully at even the writings of Pope Francis, I mean, one of the issues in Laudato Si for him is the fact that it's, it's the breakdown in human relationships that has led to the destruction of the planet. And I think it's the same sort of thing, yeah, you know, that so many things go wrong because there's an imbalance in the way that we think of people, of other people, the way men think of women, the way black think of white, the way, you know, the rich think of the poor. Mm. The, the, you know, because those relationships are so distorted, and because we've bought into all sorts of ways of of um, of, of you know uh, doing the, the the power play between all these different groupings, we land up with a situation where this imbalance just gets worse and worse. And I think the manifestations of this imbalance mm-hmm. are things like uh, what what we are seeing, uh, you know, with with all these allegations. I mean, I was astounded, uh, Father Emil, um, that, um, you know, uh, so many people, for example, so many women, people that I know on Facebook had written Me Too there as part of that campaign. Mm. You know, um, that they too had been one way or another harassed or, you know, assaulted or whatever or whatever the case is. Mm. Uh, you know, th- this is not something that's just happened in isolated incidents, but mm. it seems like it's, it's, it's all pervasive in, mm. in, in our society mm. and in our culture. And it's not just in South Africa, but it seems to be a globally, uh, mm. a global issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so true. It's so true what you're saying there. And, and you, you know, it just seems to go on and on. You seem to have a lot of noise behind you there. <laughs> where are you? Are you in the in? The I'm losing you there. Uh, where are you? There seems to be a lot of noise in the background. Oh, I'm waiting at the airport. Oh, um, yes. I, I'm. I have a flight to Cape Town just now because we've got a meeting down there. Okay, about right. uh, accrediting um, uh, the spiritual director's uh, training course. Okay, all right. Okay, well, listen. Let, let's let's move on then. Thank you for those comments. Always useful to have those comments. It's talking about something we wish wasn't there, but it is there. And let's at least pray about this and see whether we can, uh, you know, the situation can right itself. But it's a kind of situation that's pervasive in society. We're in the month of November now, and. Um, 
This is I, the I month. To add something, uh, one more thing to that, and yes. I have to say, you know, the unfortunate thing is that if wrongs have been done, yeah. it seems to me that, for example, let me take the Danny Jordan story. Yeah. I mean, to come out with a statement like he did yesterday mm. is actually to rub salt in the wound, mm. rather than to than to give a comprehensive response, right. or even just to say, you know, the, the, take responsibility. This this happened, or. Uh, you know, I, and, I, and that's another problem we've got. We live in a real culture of impunity. Mm. Um, so it's not just political impunity. I mean, it's not just the president who does what he wants. Yeah. But there's a number of other people who think that they can also just do what they want. Mm. And so I think that's another edge of this whole thing is, mm. um, you know, the culture of impunity where people think I can do what I want and I can still get away with mm. it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Power play. Rosal, listen, um, this month in November, it's, it's a month when we protest at the violence against women and children, and rightly so. I think there are lots of uh, happenings around the place about this. Yet, how serious can we really be about this topic in South Africa when violence against the most vulnerable of all, the unborn child, in the form of abortion, is allowed? Does the belief in this sacredness of life not include them? Absolutely. I mean... You know, m- most moral theologians will tell you that there is a, a a a real kind of connection between you know all these things that that, that morality is is um, kind of like a seamless garment. You know, you can't you can't separate out uh, one thing and say it's wrong, and then say another thing is right. And so you know, it is very hard to be serious about. Uh, 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 you know, women and children and honor them in a month and say we need to look after them. And then you have this kind of attitude where, you know, abortion is something like you, you, you can, you can get, uh, you know, on a number of street corners, but even worse, it is, it is kind of um, pitched as a, a sort of a, a moral good. Um, you know, that this is okay. Now, you know, when this question was raised, it's very interesting to me. I, you know, I don't want to get into an argument uh, for the Emil about, you know, when life starts and all that, because I'm not a scientist, I'm not a doctor. But when I was parish priest in Bramfontein, I was there for seven and a half years, and one of the ministries we had there was a group uh, for women who had had abortions to try and support them, because I discovered that many young women who were at university got themselves into trouble, and they chose the abortion route. And then there was no catch net for them afterwards, so we decided to start something there. And one of the things that I found fascinating, and for me was so telling, is that, you know, if your spouse or your, or your child or a good friend uh, dies, uh, you know, people struggle, but, but, you, but life kind of goes on. And for many of the women that I dealt with, the ability to move was very difficult. They were they were very traumatized. So, for example, the day that was uh, predicted as the as the due date for those for the, for the children, um, you know, th- th- they would always get depressed around that time. And one of the people who came to that group who had heard about it had had an abortion 32 years uh, previous to that, and she still every year said that on that uh, predicted um, you know day of, of birth. She struggled, and she felt her mood that month wasn't good, and she and she kind of really, uh, uh, you know, didn't look forward to the month of uh, September. Those kinds of stories we don't get told. You know, we get told that this is out there and it's available. Mm-hmm. Um, we we get told that you know, well, you know, it's okay. Um, you know, women should have control over their own bodies and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. No one actually deals with what happened afterwards, and that was a big eye opener for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, so yes, when we do make the most vulnerable a kind of also just object that can be that we can get rid of, uh, one does ask um, very serious questions about the culture that we live in mm-hmm. and our seriousness mm-hmm. about any other kind of moral absolutes mm-hmm. like the protection of women mm-hmm. and the protection of, of, of children. Mm-hmm. You know, thank God there are some organizations and, uh, and, and people that do take care or, or, or have sessions or weekends and that sort of thing precisely for these kind of people because there must be some kind of trauma that's attached to a woman who has an abortion. It's not just have an abortion, that's the end of the story. You know, the, the wound is there. It's going to live on and one has to deal with this. And good for you that you dealt with this when you were parish priest. That, that wound lives. That wound really lives on. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, I think, you know, my idea was to kind of get um, a woman and a psychologist to, to be at those meetings. And when I when when I said to them, that's what I'm looking for, they said, well, you can do that, but we still we still want you to come, which surprised me mm. that they did. But you're absolutely right. The, 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 the after trauma, mm. the kind of silent after trauma that nobody hears about, mm. um, that many of the people that I came into contact with dealt with, mm. you know, uh, it's it's something that um, that is just inexplicable. Mm. And... and and so when we advertise these things and say, oh, these things are all freely available or whatever the case is, mm-hmm. uh, we're only telling one side of the story. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to be very careful. And I think that, um, you know, certainly in our own moral tradition, mm-hmm. when you say that, um, you know, morality is a seamless garment, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as you start to say, well, it's okay to make an exception, yeah, mm-hmm. all sorts of other exceptions start mm-hmm. to creep in. Yeah, yeah. We need to emphasize the sacredness of life. And, you know, the Holy Father always talks about that. The church speaks about it. And, and, and I know that uh, the bishops and so on and priests always speak about the sacredness of life. And we need to emphasize that. Exactly. And, you know, even, even if you think of his, his thing recently about the death penalty, yeah. I mean, the, the Holy Father said that this, is, this should be removed, um, mm. that it's possible to use the death penalty. I mean, the, this, is, this is, once again, sitting into his worldview mm. that the whole and all of life is sacred. We can never make an exception. Mm. You know, that we, as soon as we start to make an exception and say one life is more valuable than another, right. um, we, we get ourselves into very, very muddy waters. Yes, and then exactly. we wonder why things go so, so terribly wrong. Absolutely. Father Russell, listen, thank you for your comments. A quick roundup with anything new from the Jesuit Institute? Yes, you know, um, Father Emil, it's just the, uh, I think we spoke about it last week with Khania, it's to remind people about, especially young people, about making for us a little video, uh, you know, that um, uh, telling us what, they want to tell the Pope and the bishops about the Synod on youth. What is it that they want from the Church? What is it that they they uh, think about? What is it that perhaps, um, you know, that, that faith contributes to their life? Whatever they feel is a message they want to give. We're doing this simply because, um, you know, there was a questionnaire that was sent out, and I don't think everybody is going to uh, be able to have access to the questionnaire. Many, many people, a growing number, have got um, smartphones or, or your parents have got smartphones. So anybody between the ages of 15 and 27, we're inviting them to um, make a little video clip of not more than a minute and send it to us, and we are going to compile a kind of little uh, uh, documentary of, of what young people around South Africa are saying uh, about uh, the church, about their faith, 
about what they want to see that can hopefully be material which we will get to uh, Rome in the form of a little documentary and will be able to be uh, screened there and people can hear what young mm. people themselves are saying. All right. Well, what a wonderful creative idea. No, thanks so much for that. Russell, we've gone way over time, but thank you very, very much for sharing with us and enjoy your trip to Cape Town and I hope you're going to have a successful time. I'm sorry about the noise. Okay, all right. Have a safe flight and thank you for talking to us. Thank you very much, Father Emil. God bless you. Bye now. That was Father Russell Pollard talking to us from the airport in Johannesburg on his way down to Cape Town. Radio Veritas. Your Catholic Connection.